Tonight's message is titled The Word, A Believer's Standard for Living. All right. The Word, A Believer's Standard for Living. And so as a born again believer, what we got to understand is this. There's no other standard for living outside the word of God. All right. Go ahead and type that. There's no other standard for living outside the word of God for the believer. And so we're going to kind of go through this tonight a little bit uh, and and kind of dive into some things. Because, you know, I mean, in society, there's some things that happened that really brought out some, <laughs> some beliefs and personalities and some opinions. But at the end of the day, there is nothing that determines our standard for living other than the word of God. All right. So, you know, in every culture, there's a standard for living. Whatever that what what is acceptable in one culture may not be total may not be acceptable in another culture. It actually may be seen as completely offensive. In South America, Asia, and Africa, for example, if you're holding a party, right, they invite everybody: the bus driver, the custodian, everybody gets invited to the party. But how many of you guys invited all those people to your parties when you had one? Right. You did, right? Because that's not something that's the norm in North America, right? And so that's a cultural difference. Giving a thumbs up in the USA, me and Ava, uh, my kids know, I look at them a lot of times, and when I look at them, they indicate they're okay by giving me a thumbs up. Uh, me and Ava on the way to uh, daycare every morning, uh, she has me be her personal DJ. And so, and so, and honestly, sometimes she bothered me by saying, I don't like that song. So I said, don't talk to me. Give me a thumbs up if you like it. Give me a thumbs down if you don't. But I don't want to hear you say you don't like nothing, right? Because that was our way of communicating. Because in the United States, a thumbs up indicates something's good, acceptable, you're okay. But in other places, getting a thumbs up means up yours, F you. I mean, it means a whole lot of other stuff. Why? Because there are, there's a cultural difference. Here's one that I thought was really interesting. In the Arabic culture, two grown men holding hands in public is considered normal, right? But if I was the, uh, like we went on vacation, if I would have grabbed one of the brother's hands while we walked on the beach, they would have assumed a whole lot of things about us and our relationship being much more than a plutonic brotherly love, filial type love relationship they would have thought it was much more. Why? Because in our culture, grown men don't walk hand, hold hands while they walk it. Because that's just something, man, Pastor you don't ever got to worry about me and Pastor Edwin holding hands walking on no beach, ever. But, but in the Arabic culture, it's something that's acceptable. And all this just to say that in every culture, there is a standard, there is a way of living. Even on a more micro level, if you think about what you do in your family, right? Uh, I Growing up, I used to say, uh, you know what, Pastor Son? I'm all about being a, a trailblazer, but I'm going to let somebody else set the standard, reset the normal men holding hands. I, I'm, not, I'm not the one called to do that. Uh, but on a micro level, you know, you, in my family... I could say shut up growing up, but as I grew up and as I began to hang out with other people, it is now the norm in my family. We don't say shut up, right? But you may let your kids say shut up. Even the, adult, the adults in our family, we don't say shut up. And our kids 
have the right to correct us. Why? Because that's a cultural norm within our family. Some people let their kids talk back to them, and then other kids find themselves recovering an hour later after they tried to talk back to their parent, right? All of these are just cultures. And what I'm trying to say to you is that it does not matter where you find yourself in the world. There is a culture, there is a standard, and there is an expectation for living, right? There is a standard, there is an expectation for, for living. So consider your workplace. Uh, some of y'all act different in your workplace than you act at home. Why? Because the expectation of the workplace environment is much different than the expectation and the culture of your house. So you act different, right? Uh, man, Pastor Evan, me too. The whole room went silent. Some of y'all, we talk. if you look in the comments, we're talking about family norms. I used to say lie all the time in my family. I messed around and called my April. Uh, I said, Miss Kathy, you lying? I didn't call her a liar. I said, you lying? Everybody in the room got quiet and just stared at me. And so I learned real quick the culture of my wife's uh, family is not to call the the um, the Miss Kathy a lie, right? And so you you quickly adapt. And here's the thing: when you love something, you adapt to the norm and the standard in which it's calling you to live. I loved April enough to adapt to the standard of her family, right? I. I, I mean, I learned it real quick. And so when you begin to understand as a born again believer that the word is your standard and you love God, then you adapt to that standard, even if it doesn't feel good. All right. Even if it doesn't still feel good. Why is all of this is important? As believers, we have been called to a standard of living. Say that. Say, I've been called to a standard of living. Uh, the standard, these stand, standards supersede our familial culture. It doesn't matter the culture of your family. It doesn't matter the culture of your workplace. It doesn't matter the culture of the state or the country you live in. As a born again believer, there is a culture that you must live by that supersedes all other cultures. And that is kingdom culture, right? As believers, we're expected to live according to the culture of the kingdom. For the believer, the word of God is our standard for living. As a believer, the word of God is our standard for living. So go ahead and type this. Say, the word is my standard for living. The word is my standard for living. I'll go ahead and wait and let y'all type that. The word is my standard for living. Not what's going on in the t uh, on TV. Not what... Not what the pastor's doing. I did say pastors, not what prophets. And because if you was on Facebook, you saw a lot of people said a lot of stuff these last couple of days that were born again believers that did not line up with the word of God. And so the standard for our living is not other people. It is not what anybody else thinks in society. It is the word of God. That is my standard for living. All right. So the word is my measure. The word is my norm, and it's the model for all comparative evaluation. The word of God is my measure. The word of God is my norm. The word of God is my model for all comparative evaluations. So I am not comparing myself to how great Sid does it or how great uh, Kristen does it or how great uh, Muddier does it. I am comparing myself to the word of God. Why? Because that is what the, that is my measuring tool, right? It doesn't matter if somebody else does that or somebody else doesn't do, do that. 
What has the word of God said for me in my life? And we'll get to that because you got both the written word, which is logos, and you have both the, the spoken word, which is rhema. And God may give somebody else something to do that is not for you to do. And so making other people your standard for living is wrong because that's not what God has called you to do. Even, even with weight loss, I love the story of Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean when they did weight loss. Pastor Edwin did one thing, she did another. We cannot, even in the same households, we cannot make another person's standard of living, our standard of living, unless God has called us to do that same standard, live at that same standard, all right? So people are not our standard. God is. My pastor is not my standard. God is my standard. My mama was not my standard. God is my standard. My daddy is not my standard. God is my standard. TV and society are not my standards. God is my standard. And as long as you make anything other than God your standard, you'll live a life of sin. And we'll talk about where that'll end up, where you end up there. All right. So the Lord knew that the world would live one way while he was asking us as believers to live another way. If you run over the Proverbs 3, it goes into great detail about the importance of don't forget the things I've taught you. He talks about keeping God's commandments. He talks about trusting in him. So we'll pull out Proverbs 3 and 5, but you should go read them all. I've read them a couple of times this week. Um, it says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And I encourage you, if you are on the live with... Uh, Bishop Vaughn and Pastor Sean, when she talked about how to love God with all your heart, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that. I'm not even going to try to dive into it. It was so good. Just go listen to what she said about that. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And when God told us that, if he's telling you not to lean to your own understanding, then guess what? There's opportunity to do. Lean to your own understanding because there are some things that occur in life that you understand to be right according to your flesh, but they're completely wrong according to the kingdom. Verse six says, in all your ways, do what? Submit to him. God ain't making you submit to him. Submission is a choice. Go ahead and type that. Submission is a choice. God told you not to do X. And you like, well, Lord, help me not to do it. Well, he did help you. His spoken word to you said, don't do it. That is God's help. But you don't spend enough time hearing his voice to understand that every time he's telling you to do something is for your safety. It's for your provision. It's to get you to the place that he wants you to live in, which is abundance, overflow in every area of your life. But if I'm choosing not to submit to God and submit to him, then my path won't be made straight. That's what Proverbs 3 and 5 tells us. In Proverbs 14 and 12, it tells us this. There is a way that what seems right to a man. So there are going to be opportunities in life for you to do something, and it's going to seem right. It's going to seem like the right thing to do based on everything that you know. But it says the end is the way of death. One for me, I'll give you an example, because you know I'm not telling my own business. I own a rental property, um, and... Uh, during COVID, a uh, family got behind and I was trying to help them and stuff. And then it got too much. Ultimately, they got about five grand behind. And so I was going to take them to small claims court. You know, I'm like, I'm getting my money. I mean, shoot, uh, I got to pay this mortgage and everything. And the Lord said, no. And I'm like, what you mean? No. 
Because that that's what it, there's a way that seems right to a man, right? Everything I knew about that seemed right. I have a right to my money. They have used the house. They've lived in the house. I have went above and beyond, Lord, to help them. What do you mean that I can't do this, right? Because we're going to talk about rhema word. There's nowhere in the Bible it says, Ralph, forgive their debt. That's not what it said. It doesn't say that. But his rhema word, his spoken word to me, he said, Ralph, no, mm -mm, forgive them. So I, I got on there. I said, hey, man. I told him, I said, the Lord, and I'll be, I'll be honest. I said, the Lord told me to forgive you. And he was like, man, I appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. But there's, and then within moments, I, I mean, within moments, within weeks or so, I had a new tenant, the house was redone, and I recouped all that money. There's a way that seems right, right, to man, but the end thereof is death. Now, the thing of it is, if I would have disobeyed God, I probably wouldn't have physically died. But the question is, what kind of death occurs in my finances? What kind of death occurs in my relationships? What kind of death occurs in my business? See, what we think is just, oh, God, I'm not I'm not I'm not physically dead. So, you know what? I'm OK. And so we'll, I mean, if you was a kid like me uh, and I know Pastor Evan was, we were always crossing the lines, testing the borders, right? So you're going to say you whoop me if I go outside. Okay, I'm going to go outside anyway, and then let's see if you whoop me or not, right? And so you're like, oh, you know what? This work going outside. I'm going to take this whooping. And see, some of us are play with God so much that you know God ain't striking you down, killing you, right? And so you're like, oh, I'll go over there and mess with that a little bit because, you know, I mean, it ain't that big of a deal. Last time I had sex and they weren't my husband and my wife, I mean, didn't a lot happen. So, I mean, I just do it again and I just do it again. Why? Because sin has never happened happy with you just having a little bit of it. It wants to engross you. All right. And so Jeremiah 17 and 5 says it this way. Thus says the Lord, curse be the man that trusts in the man and makes flesh his arm. All right. And, and I got it in orange on my notes. It says, whose heart departs from the Lord. Anytime we choose to go our own way, anytime we choose to do our own thing, anytime we choose to make flesh our arm, our heart departs from the Lord. And that's really important because as you, as you will know in the word, we are to love God with all our heart. And when we love God with all of our heart, our paths are made straight. So if my heart is departing from the Lord, then I am not loving the Lord with all my heart. And then it's incapable of my past being made straight. So a lot of our situations in life is not things that God has put on us, but it's simply the fact that we have chosen to operate in sin and there is consequences to sin. And that's just bottom line. Some of us ain't, I mean, some people ain't broke because God want, God doesn't want you broke. God sent Jesus to die to redeem us from the consequences of sin. He doesn't want you broke. He doesn't want you without. He doesn't want you depressed. He doesn't want you any of those things. So a lot of times we experience those things because we choose not to do it to the standard in which God has called us to do it. So when we choose to trust in our own self, we depart from the Lord. Uh, departing from the Lord puts us at the will of the enemy and it becomes a flesh fight. Let me help you. Anytime you don't do what God says, you now enter a flesh fight. 
Because the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down strongholds, right? It says the word of God is like a two-edged sword. We don't fight against principalities and powers, right? So what happens is when you begin to operate outside the standard of God, when you begin to do things on yourself, you enter a flesh fight with the enemy. And let me help you. He's the Lord of this. I mean, I mean, he has power over the earth. You're never going to win a fleshly fight with the enemy. You're not. But every time you enter into a flesh, I mean, do things your own way, you're entering into a flesh fight. The word of God is superior to anything that the enemy can come against you with. The word of God is superior to everything. But when I choose not to live to the standard of the word of God and I choose to operate in my own flesh, then instead of using a superior weapon that has already been tried and true to, to deliver you from the enemy's tactics, you then enter into your own flesh. You fight a flesh fight and you end up losing a, a battle that God has already given you victory over. Because you didn't let the word become your standard. What you let the, become your standard was what people thought about you, the opinions of man. What you let become your standard was, was your, your pride and your and offense and your being butthurt. All those things became your standard. And so you act based off your flesh. You entered a fight where you got beat up. And it's not God's fault. That's why he tells us in Romans 12 and 2. What does he tell us? He tells us, Ralph, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We got to renew our mind because when people say something crazy to us, it's real easy to want to say something crazy back. But the Lord doesn't always, the Lord doesn't let you do that. Maybe I'm just talking about me, but I've been in many situations where the Lord said, no, Ralph, you can't do that. It, it, it's, it, by earthly standards, it is the right thing to do. But the Lord said, no, you can't do that, son. That's not how I would operate. And so that's what he's saying. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, his pleasing and perfect will. All right. So as believers, we have dual citizenship. We are living in the world while also being citizens in the kingdom. In our dual citizenship, we have to be very careful to make sure that though we exist in the world, that we are not conforming to this world, right? Though I exist in the world, I am not conforming to this world. So I can allow my status of having dual citizenship to cause me to live like people in the earth when I've been called to live like people of the kingdom, all right? So anytime we find ourselves in a situation, we should always be asking ourselves some questions. All right. If you look around, you see, uh, you, I mean, as, I'm sorry. Uh, we should always be asking ourselves some questions in any situation. Here are some questions that you should ask. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just something I came up with very quickly in our practice. The first thing I want to know when I want to do something, right? I mean, think about this. All right. We'll you'll use what happened at the Oscars recently. I ain't going to talk about it. Y'all know what happened. If you don't Google it. All right. So the first question I should ask myself before I act, does this align to the kingdom of God and his culture? Whatever I want to do, does it align to the kingdom of God and his culture? Is there scripture? And I had to put this in here. 
taken in proper context that supports the behavior I want to exemplify? Is there scripture taken in proper context that supports this behavior? So if said did something to me and I want to cuss said out, right? Is there scripture taken in proper context that supports this behavior? In other words, is there a logos word to support this behavior? If it's not, did Holy Spirit tell me to cuss him out? And I can tell you he didn't, all right? That's not the character of God. God's not giving you permission to cuss nobody out. So anytime you find yourself cussing somebody out, it is not justified, it is wrong. I don't care what they did to you, it does not justify you to use profanity towards them. Y'all could come at me, fill my inbox, I don't really care. It is what it is, why? Because when you make the word of God your standard, then wrong is wrong and right is right. And that's just it. And then the other question is, does this exemplify the love of God? So is what I'm doing exemplifying the love of God? Is me cussing them out? Is me insulting them? Is, is me stealing from them? Is, is, is what I'm doing wrong? Is it exemplifying the love of God? If a lot of us would take a pause and go through these three questions, then a lot of our behaviors would probably change. But it was like something that Pastor Nietzsche uh, posted today. It says in the, I'm, I'm going to mess up the quote, but basically it was saying this, between uh, an action and a reaction, there's space that you think. And for a lot of us, we haven't developed enough space between action and reaction. In other words, you ain't conformed your mind. You, 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 haven't, you haven't renewed your mind. There should be some space. In my job, I deal with kids who are some of the worst kids in districts, right? And so over time, I have developed this space. So when the kid calls me a B word or calls me a ball head N word or does all the, or, or turns to hit me or something like that, I have to have this space between their action and my reaction to then think and determine what I'm going to do, Right? And the thing about conforming, uh, renewing your mind is that I begin to think about what I would do prior to the situation occurring. What would you do, Ralph, if somebody uh, spit on you? What would you do, Ralph, if somebody tried to hit you? What would you do, Ralph, if this occurred? Why? Because what, what what's happening is I am preparing myself for situations that could occur because I know the line of, of the work I'm in, Right. We deal with people every day, whether you work with people or not. You deal with them in a uh, fast food line. You're dealing with them at Walmart or wherever you go. There's people. So you should be right, Pastor Chris. A soft answer turns away wrath. And, and right, Shavandra, I like that. The buffer zone, right? You need that pause between what happens and how you react. Some There's a lot of marriages broken right now because nobody had a, there was no buffer zone. There was no there there was no time between what the spouse did and what the how the other spouse responded. Right, it just came out because you're not allowing the Word of God to renew your mind, and you're not studying the Word of God to change your character. And the standard for your living is not God, because if the standard of living was God in that buffer zone, then your options change. 
Let me pause on that for a second. Selah. When God's word is your standard, think about a multiple choice test, right? When you're living according to the standard of, of the world and somebody says something you don't like, the multiple choice answers may look like this. A, slap they tell. B, cuss them out. C, put them in a place. Or D, all of the above, right? You're going to slap them, cuss them out, and put them in a place. You're going to tell them all about. See, because when that's your standard of living, those are your options. But when the word of God becomes your standard, oh, <laughs> I love that, Pastor. You're going to Will Smith them, right? I mean, option A, we're going to scratch what I said, slap them. We're going A is now Will Smith them, right? So, but on the standard side, when kingdom of God is your is your standard, your, your options change, right? But not, we haven't spent enough time in the word of God to cause option A from slapping to become option A to praying for them. Option B of cussing them out to option B of asking them, hey, what's going on in your day to make you feel this way, right? We haven't changed option C from, from dragging them to being option C on the standard side of, of looking at a way to bless them and give back into their life, right? Because when you're when when the kingdom of God is your standard, there are some things that are no longer even options in your life. It's not an option for me to cuss somebody out. It's not an option for me to put hands on folks with unless it's in a form of self-defense. It's not an option for me to be cruel and rude to people because they did something that was cruel and rude for me, rude to me. It's not an option for me to exchange an eye for an eye because that's what not, that's not what the standard of the kingdom is. That's not the standard of the kingdom. And when you renew your mind, your options change. There are some things that's just not even in my multiple choice database anymore because I got a different standard. And it should be the same from every believer when we spend time in the Word. All right. So once we compare this to the Word, we have our answer. All right. Those questions I was saying. Once you compare whatever the situation is to the Word, you have your answer. Now, you may not like the answer. We may, you may not even feel like the answer is appropriate. I didn't feel like at the time what God asked me to do for forgiving them for that money was appropriate. But I did it. We may not even understand why. We got to, I mean, why the person did to us what they did. But let me help you this. I'm not sure if I put this one in there. But your feelings, understanding, or rationale for acting does not make right what God says is wrong. There it is. They put it on, on, on the screen. Your feelings, understanding, or, or the rationale for acting does not make right what God says is wrong. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care how you think about it. I don't care about your rationale towards doing what you said you wanted to do. Doing that does not make it right if God says it wrong. I'm just going to pause there because, I, I mean, that hit my house, you know. That, that hit me. My feelings, my understanding, and then even my rationale for acting does not make right what God says is wrong. So I got to allow, I got to, what the Bible say? What the word say? I got to submit. So in those times, I don't feel like 
doing what God says, when I don't, I don't understand why he's asking me to do it, when I got perfect rationalization on why I feel like what I'm doing is justified and right, it still doesn't make it right if God says it's wrong. So I submit, so that word submit is a verb. I submit, I position myself to humbly submit to God even when my feelings are on the line, even when my understanding is not there, even when I feel like I'm rational in my decision, I still submit to God because his way is better. Go ahead and type that. His way is better. He is always trying to get me to the place of abundance. He is always trying to get me to the place of overflow. He is always trying to keep me in my right mind. He is always bringing me peace, joy, and understanding. He is always doing those things. His way is better. But because we fail to honor God, we fail to love God with our whole heart, we lean onto our flesh, and we enter a flesh flight that we're always destined to lose. Every time I consciously choose to disobey God, I am choosing to enter a fight that I'm destined to lose. But every time I choose to operate in faith and believe what God has said, I enter into a fight that I am guaranteed victory in. There are guarantees on both sides of your action. There are guarantees on both sides of your choices. If I, if I, I am guaranteed victory when I do it God's way, but I am guaranteed failure when I do it my own. All right. So it is your responsibility to prove everything you see, right? It's your responsibility to prove what everything you hear and everything you do by the word, by the witness of the Holy Spirit. Say it got it up there. First Thessalonians 21 and 22 says this, prove all things, hold fast that which is good and reject every kind of evil. That's what the word says. You are to prove all things. So have that buffer zone before you react. What is the word saying about what I want to do? Is the, does the word support this? Does logo support this? And some of y'all making up stuff on the Holy Spirit. That ain't Rhema. That's you. You, you saying, you, I mean, that ain't the Holy Ghost telling you to, to cuss them out or to tell them how you feel. You're making that up. Because that doesn't even align with the character of God. And see, that's how some of you know that you don't hear God because you're making up stuff that don't align with his character. His spoken word will never contradict his written word. Now, the thing that God may do is change. All right? When he told Abraham to go sacrifice Isaac and he went to it and then I, Abraham heard God's voice and God said, hey, stay your hand. That's still God. He's not contradicting his word. He gave him a new pathway. But his rhema word never contradicts his logos word. And so the things that you're saying you hear God do ain't really God because you ain't read your word enough to know that's not even the character of Holy Spirit. That's not even the character of God to do that. All right, so let's keep going so we get through our notes tonight. It says, it is important to understand that every time we sin, we miss the mark. We are making a conscious decision to live according to the standards of the world. Doing so causes us to experience disaster where we should be experiencing abundance and joy. If you run over to Matthew 7, 24, it says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat uh, against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine 
and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Hold on right there. Everyone who hears the word. So going to church don't free you, baby. Praying, I mean, that that don't free you just in itself. Like, like we, we have got things so messed up. You can't just go to church and attend and think you're going to be free. You just can't go to attend Bible study on Wednesdays and think you're going to be free. You can't just go to... Uh, to wherever and, and do all these conferences and woman thou art loose and, and, and believers voice of victory. I mean, all that stuff. You can't do that and think you're going to be free. The Bible says anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. So just coming to church, just knowing the word, listen, knowing the word doesn't give you freedom. I'll say that again. Knowing the word doesn't bring you freedom. It is application of the word. You got to hear and do. That's right, Shavandra. You got to hear and do. It's so many. It's so many. Hey, the enemy knows the word. The Bible says that he knows the word, but that's not what free you. What frees you is application of the word. Some of y'all right now offended with God because you, you've been going to church. You've been tithing. You've been doing all these stuff, but you don't make not one demand or applying anything that God has called you to do. Baby, that's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. So let's keep going. I didn't expect a whole lot of amens tonight, but that's okay. Because we're just going to say what the Lord said to do, right? We haven't a saying, we got a saying at FOC. As a believer, you are not exempt from life circumstances. This is true. Due to disobedience and agreeing with worldly standards, however, instead of God's standards, believers are bringing unnecessary circumstances into their own lives. Y'all can read it on the screen. Due to disobedience and agreeing with worldly standards instead of God's standards, believers are bringing unnecessary circumstances into their own lives. Some of the stuff ain't even, it ain't even the enemy's fault. It's your fault. Now, we ain't here to cast blame, but I am here to say that, hey, you, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at your own participation in your own life, Right? Like, it's some things I did that I can't even blame on the enemy. I just wanted to do them. They felt good. I was fleshly. It's what I wanted to do. I can't even blame. I can't even say he gave me the thought, right? It, it, it was that. But those. But every time I did that, I am bringing unnecessary circumstances into my own life. The Bible says that, that we're going to experience things, even as believers, right? That we're going to experience things. So we're already not exempt from circumstances. There are going to be some things that occur, but it is crazy of us to bring into our lives through disobedience and not living to the standard of the kingdom, unnecessary circumstances, and then we blame other people for our presence in those locations. I'll never, I mean, unless you kidnap, you ain't never know where you ain't decided to go for yourself. I ain't never ended up anywhere that I didn't want to go. And if you think about it, you ain't either unless you've been kidnapped. 
unless something has happened. Why? Because in your mind, you didn't say no, but you like, I didn't say yes either. But you just rode with them, right? You rode with them back to the house. You know you had that, you had that feeling, oh, I don't need to go back to the house. But you didn't say no, but you like, I didn't say yes either. But your silence is agreement. You knew the word, but you didn't put that into action. So your so your foundation for 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 abstaining was built on sin. So the moment you smelled his or her perfume or cologne, the moment they touched your body and kissed you near your earlobe or whatever your spot is, because your foundation was built on sin, you couldn't withstand the storm. It blew you smooth over, right? Because we didn't allow space to apply that word that God has given us. When God said, no, go ahead and get out the car. Go ahead and call that Uber and, and, and take your own ride home, right? We, we didn't do that. So you cannot withstand the storm. It isn't God's fault you're getting knocked down. It isn't God's fault you're getting fired. It isn't God's fault you're sick. It isn't God's fault you have raggedy relationship. It is not God's fault. He has redeemed you from all of that. He has issued you judge. He has issued judgment. You are free. However, to experience that freedom, someone has to carry out the judgment given by the judge. That's your job. I'll say that again. You have been redeemed from all of that. God has issued his judgment. You are free. You are redeemed. You are the victorious of the Lord. However, to experience that freedom, someone has to carry out the judgment given by the judge. That's your job. Consider this. When a judge, when a judge gives a sentence, does he now invoke that judgment? No, the judge delivers the verdict. Now those under the judge's authority are responsible for implementing that verdict. So the verdict on my life is that I am redeemed and I am set free. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am abundantly supplied in every good work. That the Lord will teach me how to get, he has given me the power to get well. That I, he wants my, he has called me to prosper even as my soul is prospered. That he has came so that I may have life and life more abundantly. That for every situ situation and circumstance that he has given me a way of escape. That he has provided the Holy Spirit to dwell in my heart so that I may understand the depth, the width, the height of his love. Those are the verdicts that God has given me. Now, what he has done now is given me authority to exercise the judgment that he has passed down. But if I choose not to live according to the standard of God, I am choosing not to exercise, not to invoke or to employ the verdict in which God has given me for my freedom. Instead, I'm choosing damnation. I'm choosing hell and I'm choosing bondage, even though freedom belongs to me. As a born again believer, your verdict is that you're free from the consequences of sin. You have been completely delivered and you have been redeemed. However, you must exercise the authority given to you by the judge to invoke the verdict. We have to choose to say what God has said, do what God has said, and believe what God has said, right? So how do you determine what God's verdict is? How do I know what God's verdict is? It, verdict. 
I have to read his word and I got to hear his Holy Spirit, right? Logos and written word. Logos and rhema word is crucial to the believer. It is how we become aware of the standard of God. It is how we become aware of the verdict that God has provided for our lives, right? And I told you, what's the verdict for your life? Healing. What's the verdict for your life? Financial deliverance. What's the verdict for your life? New homes. When God told April and I that we'll live in the house that we live in now, I didn't find that in the in the Logos word. The Lord said, hey, this is your time to get a house. This is it. That was a rhema word. When God issued that word to me, it was judgment in the earth. All of earth now had to produce a house for Ralph and April. All of earth had to produce a house for Ralph and April. Now, though God had issued the judgment to earth, he still needed a man or a woman of God to exercise faith to, to employ or to invoke the judgment that he has already put into the earth. So what I had to do was to align my faith with the verdict, with the word. So the word was... God, this is the year for you to have a house, Ralph. This house right here is yours. Now, what I could have looked at was the price, the fact that the price was more than I had ever imagined. I could have looked at the other things that were going on, but I chose to go with the verdict of God. I chose to go with what the rhema word had said to said, hey, this is your year. This is your house. Go after it, son. So we chose to do it. Part of exercising that verdict was God said, every time you see your man and woman of God, so into their life. I'm like, well, Lord, that don't make sense, right? Because there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. What would have been the destruction? I wouldn't have been able to experience the, the, the verdict that the judge God had given me. I couldn't experience that. See, we think destruction is death, right? The thing is, you're going to find out when you get to heaven that there was so much more that you could have had, but because you kept doing it your own way, you just lived a mediocre good life when God was calling you to extravagance and abundance. He was calling you to ex excess and overflow. He was calling you to be the richest person in your area, and you settled with the $500,000 because it's more than you ever seen in your life. That's destruction. And because our mindset is not conformed to the kingdom, we think, oh, man, I got $500,000. I'm doing so good. I I'm doing so well. This is so good. But that's destruction to the kingdom and that's selfish mindset. I like that, Pastor John. You're right. The verdicts of God are enforced by faith. Because the moment I settled that 500,000 when God wanted me to go more, I stepped out of faith. And when I stepped out of faith, the kingdom no longer was winning. And every, every act of sin is a selfish decision. Every act of sin is a selfish decision. You don't sin for other people. You sin for your own benefit. Now, you may try to blame it on other people, but it's, it's a selfish decision, all right? So, though God has made judgments, our faith enforces the verdicts in which God, our judge, has put into the earth. And like Pastor Nietzsche said in one of the comments, the earth responds to God's voice. That's when God came, the Bible says God looked and he saw the earth was void and without form. What did he do? He spoke to the earth. And what, happened, what did the earth do? The moment that God spoke to the earth, what did it do? It obeyed. It was light. It was water. It was firmament of heavens. It was land. 
that same thing is occurring right now. God says that this is for I'm in the midst of all concerning thee. For these are the days I have prepared for you, prepared you for. It doesn't matter if God, if gas gets to $25 a gallon. The judge said, these are the days that I have prepared you for, son. These are the days that I have prepared you for, daughter. So I'm going to align my faith with the verdict of the judge and say, oh, baby, I thank you. I'm prepared for $25 gas. I'm prepared for uh, $5 milk. I'm prepared for $5 carts of eggs. I'm prepared. Why? Because my daddy said I was. So my only job as a believer is to live at the standard in which the word has called me to live. That's my job. That's my job. The, the word says you are blessed. You are ready and you will win. You know, that's what the word says. That's what the word says. These are the days I prepare for you. In other words, we are blessed, we are ready, and therefore we win. That's what the word says. And because that is the rhema word that came through our man and woman of God, then we attach our faith to that word to invoke the verdict into the earth and experience what God has told us to have. But you can't experience that when you live in according to a standard that's other than God's. That's why the word is the believer's standard for living. All right, let's keep going. So, James 1 and 22 says it like this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently and to the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Let me help you. Verse 25 says this, but the man who makes the word, the law, his standard, and he continues to do what the law says, I mean, what the word says to do, and don't forget what he's heard, but keeps doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. See, you blessed by people's mouths because they're like, ooh, you sure told them. Ooh, you sure put them in their place. And that's all the blessing you're going to get. But, oh, baby, when you do what God says do, when you do it his way, his blessings come with great victory and great reward. His blessings come with eternal empowerments to prosper. His blessings come with everything that you need to experience the good life, right? And so either way it go, you're looking for something, right? You only act because you're looking for something. The thing is, you don't trust God enough to do it his way to receive what he has for you. So you do it your way because you're still looking for something because you think your way is better. When the standard of God becomes your standard, that's when you become a disciple. A lot of us ain't disciples. We're not. We ain't disciples. We're occasional followers. <laughs> A lot of us just like, we we infatuated with this whole God thing. Like, it's cool and all until he asks me to do something I don't want to do. It, it's cool and all until I don't feel like doing it. it, it it's cool and all until my rationale for behaving uh, is understood by my flesh and I follow my flesh, right? Because when you're a true disciple, 
God's standard is your standard, right? You remember the multiple choice example I gave you? When you're a disciple, your multiple choice options change. A, God's way is better. B, God's way is better. C, God's way is better. D, all of the above. So when I'm sitting there and somebody's doing me wrong and God tells me to buy them lunch, my flesh is going to say, boy, please. But then you got to have that buffer zone, right? Before you act. And here's the thing, the more time you spend in the word of God, the less time it takes you. God, your response being kingdom-like becomes automatic the more time you spend in the word. A lot of us struggle, a lot of people struggle with reacting the way God would react because you don't spend enough time with God. Like, like when we went on vacation, no, let's let's use snowy cookie. When we did Snowy Cookie and we surprised Pastor Edward and Pastor Sean, we were laughing because almost to a T, we outlined how each one of them react. We even had gifts for them in a certain order based off their personalities and all of that. And we said what they would do when they opened this one. We spent enough time with them that we, we know them good enough to react in a situation the way they would. But you don't know God well enough because you ain't spent enough time with them. What you want to fill your time with is TV and laughter and social media. But then you expect to be able to expel kingdom in a pressure situation when all you ever put into you was worldly thinking. It doesn't work. It just won't work that way. You can't get out of you what's not in you. And what comes out of you is what's in you. So if you see a bunch of hell coming out of you, it's because hell's in you. And so if you want to change that, renew your mind. All right, let's wrap up because we're right. We're at 59, 59. I took 10 minutes on announcements. So we're, we're, we're on my last page. We're good. So Luke 6 and 46, it says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? You know why? Because we got a bunch of carnal Christians. That's why. We got a bunch of carnal Christians. What does that word carnal mean? That word carnal means in the Greek, sarkikos, or it means to be fleshly. You are a born again believer, but you acting out your flesh instead of out of your spirit. You got to understand that you're a tripartite being. You're, you, 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 you have a body, you, ha you have a soul, you have a body, you have a spirit, right? You have all of those things operating at the very, at, at the simultaneously within your life. And the thing that you provide the most nourishment to would be the thing that's strongest in your life, right? And your body really responds to your spirit and your soul. Now, your body has cravings of its own, but if I train my soul, I mean, my spirit to, uh, <clears throat> if I train my spirit to uh, uh, check my soul, then it'll be able to do so, right? If I spend enough time uh, feeding my spirit, but for a lot of us, uh, a lot of people, I ain't gonna say us, a lot of people, you, you, you only do church doing church services. And, and that's just not enough. That's just not enough. You got to spend more time. And that's why you're carnal. 
That's that's what and and uh and what Pastor Evans said, and that's what you can't even receive corrections. Uh, it says I get it, Pastor Evans. I get that. Don't call me pastor, but can't never take correction or direction. See, and, and you know me, I don't mind saying a bunch of y'all lying. Pastor Evans, Pastor Sean ain't your pastor. The church you've been going to for. 14 years, that person ain't your pastor. Because for them to be your pastor means that you receive the word from them, whether it feel good or not. What a bunch of y'all got is you might as well call them teacher. But they ain't your pastor because you don't listen to them. You just attend church. Now, what we ain't going to do, we ain't going to ever call you out. I'm like, girl, I ain't your pastor. Ain't nobody going to ever say that. But in my mind, I'm like, girl, you ain't listening. You ain't you ain't doing you ain't doing what you're supposed to do, right? Because that's that that's that's what that that Bible that's what that scripture said. It's like you call me something, but you don't do what I say. All right, we got two scriptures left. Luke Luke three one through four. It says, "Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ." Right? I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. He's talking to he's talking to the Christian folks, right? He's talking to Christian saved folks. I want you to know that. Let me start over. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who still who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Some of y'all still not ready. You like, then see, some of y'all, that whole age ain't nothing but a number. You sung that for the wrong reasons. But in the kingdom of God, age ain't nothing but a number. You could be 65 years old and gave birth to 22 kids and got 42 grandkids and still be an infant in Christ. He said, look, I, I, I can't even I can't even talk to you like adults. I got to talk to you like infants. I give you milk, not solid food, for you're not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're asking for all the glory from God to rain down on your life. And God is trying to grow up your character so you can withhold the weight of glory that he wants to put on you. But you won't even grow up in your character. So you can't even hold the weight of the glory for your life. He's still giving you milk. You're still on Similac. It, verse three says, you're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not worldly. Are you Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans, right? Because you realize you're not a mere human. You are just like God. But he says, are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I'll follow Paul and another, I'll follow Paulus, are you not mere human beings? And here's the issue. And, and we can't blame it on society. It, it's the church, honestly. The church has made it so comfortable to be called a believer, but live like the people in the world. And this was never the intent of God. We got whole churches that don't align to the standard of the kingdom of God. We got whole bodies that's just not living according to the kingdom of God. You got churches that openly accept just sinful behavior. Men and women of God who openly support misbehavior. It's so the standard for believers must be the word of God. And that's why 
I mean, the standard for my living isn't FOC. The standard for my living is the word of God. The standard for my living isn't Edwin and Sean Strickland. The standard for my living is the word of God. The standard for my living isn't April Marlowe, or I've had many great pastors in the past, but that's not the standard for living. The standard for living is the word of God. That is my standard. But it is also why when a pastor does something, because the pastors are human, we throw them away so quickly because we have put them on a pedestal that they are never meant to be on. We see them as gods when they are just humans like we are trying to help us uh, through our lives and see the blind spots in our lives. And we're taking, taking, taking from them and half time not praying for them like we should. And then when they do anything that seems human like, we throw pastors away so quick. And that's not the standard of God. But I'm over my time. So let me go ahead and finish these last two uh, words. There is no middle ground. There is kingdom and there is worldly. There's kingdom and there's worldly. You don't find yourself in the middle. There's no lukewarm. And so our desire should be to be biblically correct and not culturally or politically correct. Our desire should be to be biblically correct and not culturally or politically correct. And so as we wrap up, let us remember this from Luke 17 and 33. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. So every time I try to preserve my own life, every time I make a decision for myself, every time I make flesh my arm, every time I live according to the standard of society and not the standard of God, every time I try to preserve myself, I am going to end up losing. But every single time, I choose to humbly submit or and what seems like in the flesh, every time I feel like I'm losing my life, right? I will keep it. Why? Because only God knows what's best for me, even when I think I know my, what's best for myself. All right. And we're going to end with this quote from Tony Evans, because I thought it wrapped it up so well. It says this, make no mistake. God means every word he says. This then is one of the most sobering verses of scripture. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is, way, is the way to death. It says in the book of Judges, Israel was in a dark and disastrous period because everyone did whatever seemed right to him. You can go read about that in Judges. This highlights the problem with worldly human wisdom. It seems right. And without comparison to the divine perspective, it looks pretty good. Human strategies and philosophies about life, in fact, have a bunch of people convinced because they appeal to our own self-centered notions of what's best. And I thought that was so good. It appeals to our own self-centered notions of what's best. But those who won't seek God's opinion, who those who, as Shavandra, I think, said, won't take time in that buffer zone, to seek God's opinion regarding the right path will pay a high price in the end. Rely solely on human logic to chart the course of your life and it will lead you to on a path to hell. And what I'll tell you is this, hell and, and, and hell there, not necessarily eternal, but sometimes, but also eternal, but hell here on earth because you chose not to do it God's way. And because you chose not to do it God's way, you were not able to experience the abundance in which the father has already purchased on your behalf. All right. So that's the word, the standard. 
a believer's the word, the believer's standard for living. All right. So now let's go with these announcements right quick. Uh, I see the giving things us. Uh, uh, scrolling now. So, you know, at FOC, y'all know what I'm going to say. We have what? 100% tithers. I, I love it. Every time it makes 100% tithers. And so we have people who give above uh, and, and make sure that everything is taken care of scholarship wise, that we'll continue to bless people in the state and the world and partners all across the world. That only happens because of your giving. And so uh, if you were then the uh, continental United States, you know, you can use give a five, you can use Tively, you can use text, text to give, right? But if you are one of our international partners and international partners only, uh, that you could use PayPal uh, FOC Church NWA gmail.com at gmail.com to, to give that way. And like I said, PayPal is reserved for our international partners only. All right. So make sure that you uh, give your tithe and offering. Make sure that you go to our website and that you sign up and let us know that you're a partner. Like I said, I looked yesterday, it was 97, I think. I know we we had, we are way close to 500 partners. So that just means people haven't filled it out. And, and that's okay, not fussing, but we just asking that you please take the time out to visit focchurch.com, scroll down the page into the covenant partner section and fill that out for each person in your household that's age 12 that has an email. Uh, so that we'll be able to contact you with mailings and information going forward. All right. And so uh, let's talk about what happens each day. Uh, on Our next activity will be Friday morning at 6.30 uh, a.m. Champion Circle Prayer. Uh, join us for prayer. Uh, set your alarms and, and, and get there. All right. There's no excuse. You, you're living, you're breathing. Be at prayer on Friday morning. Right. Saturday, take a break. Sunday, join us with Pastor uh Chris in Elder Valley for uh, Christian Valley Worships. If you haven't liked and followed her page on Facebook, please go do so. All right. Uh, follow Sunday morning worship with Pastor Edwin and Pastor Sean with Sunday celebration. I'm not sure if uh, Pastor Edwin's finished with his teaching from Sunday, but if not, make sure you go back. Uh, if he is, make sure you go back and listen to that. It is a phenomenal teaching. Uh, so make sure you go uh, do that. And then Monday, you got uh, strategies with success with Pastor Sean. Make sure that you like and follow her professional page as well. Uh, you don't got to be her friend. Let me help you. You don't got to be her friend on Facebook to just go listen to Strategies for Success. I think she's maxed out on friends anyway. So go follow her professional page, Sean Strickland, and, and uh, follow and like that and where you get all the notifications for Strategies for Success. Then Tuesday night, we have prayer. Uh, uh, said, said we're going to have 100 people every night. We got, I think, to 88-ish on Tuesday night. So, guys, come on. Sign up. We we can do it. Get there. 100. Pastor Edwin uh, has said he want, he want to see 100 partners on Tuesday night prayer. Let's get there. Uh, <laughs> Pastor Funny, she said, I got like 20 spots. She deleted some folks. Uh, so, but make sure that you, uh, you, you do that, guys. You know, because when Bishop Vaughn taught that message, she, we committed to some things, right? We committed to coming to every service. And I challenge you, don't just don't just come to the repeat of the service. If you are, if you can get to the live service, get to the live service, right? Spend time in your word every day. There was other things she said to do. Spend time in the word daily. She also said pray in tongues, an hour a day. 
and break it up. Do five minutes at a time as you can. A lot of times, sometimes you may not know what to pray. That's the perfect time to pray in the Holy Spirit when you don't know what to pray. Then take communion uh, as often as you can. So those are the things. Uh, oh, I forgot Wednesday. You know, on Wednesdays, we got teens. Get your teen involved. Uh, you can go to flcchurch.com and you can access uh, Ignite, the, at, the links to Ignite. Uh, there and then victory zone is on demand the easter series is going get your kids involved and we got some things planned for them when we see them in person so make sure that you show up in person we got some some fun things for the kiddos for when we see them in person all right so i think that's all the announcements is that good team we cover everything all right so i love you guys be blessed and i will see you guys friday morning at 6 30 a.m for champion circle have a great rest of the week bye-bye